is Matt Leiner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 344, coming to you on Thursday, November 7th. We're going to look forward to USC and Arizona State locking horns at Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe on Saturday afternoon. We're going to preview it, give you our predictions, and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fanside.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Dertola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. You know, our last episode, which dropped on Tuesday, one of our longest ever, well over two hours. Uh, it was a recording time of almost two hours and 40 minutes. But the, by the time, you know, we made cuts and everything, it dropped it to about an, an hour and like 13 or something like that. An insane amount of minutes, which means this episode kind of going to be a little bit shorter. Yeah, for a variety of reasons, too. Um, for one, I think we have a lot less to say about ASU than we did about Oregon. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Uh, for two, I have to get up super early in the morning to go drive out to Arizona tomorrow morning. This is true. Um, and I have not started packing yet, so that's a problem. That's the uh, most Michael move of all time. It's a very Michael move, especially because I have a bunch of stuff to write for the website tomorrow before I start packing. So it's going to be a late night and an early morning and all of that jazz. But uh, we also don't have a mailbag because the, the listeners were slacking and didn't send in any questions. But our slackers over on the Slack have a bunch of questions for a pregame Q&A, which we will record on Thursday once you're out here uh, in the Rain of Troy Radio Studio East, the Arizona studio. Uh, we're going to record that and, and drop that on Thursday if you're a Patreon subscriber. Get all of our bonus episodes and listen to that one over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Reign of Troy for as little as five fifty five a month. For 10 bucks, you get to join our Slack channel. See, the people might think that that was coordinated and scripted, that transition. That was totally organic. Well done. Where, where does that rank among my all-time transitions? That might be one of your greatest all-time transitions. Hmm. All-time greatest. Yeah. But uh, but you are correct. The Slack channel is hopping. We're talking sort of USC football. Uh, we're talking a lot of coaching rumors, a lot of AD discussion and the like, uh, but always, always chatting about. And there's a ton of, of stuff over on the Patreon as far as the podcasting is concerned. Um, in addition to the practice car casts and the pregame Q&A and the rewatch, <sighs> Rod on Hoops is back. The basketball team is playing basketball, which means I am watching basketball and I am talking about basketball 
in I know that's your favorite. You, you love that. You love that so much. You know what? I have to say, I don't uh, like basketball. Well, it's funny. I used to love basketball. I have fallen out of love with basketball. But the good thing was that on Tuesday, USC's win over Florida A&M was actually pretty entertaining, mainly because Onyeko Okongwu is just the truth. Like, kid is fun to watch. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, speaking of stuff that's pretty, 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 pretty good, uh, are our meetups. And we're doing another meetup this week, Friday night, 7 p.m. at the Churchill in uh, downtown Phoenix on First Street. Uh, I've been saying on the pod, it's like a bar court, it's like a food court, but with bars. I, I guess the technical term would be it's a public marketplace. Uh, it is a little area that is pretty cool. There's a bunch of businesses inside. They're all separate businesses, but there're a bunch of bars, food places in there too, a little pizza pizza place. Uh there there's a bunch of little nicks and knacks in there and it is a going to be a good time. Friday 7 p.m. November 8th, this Friday, downtown Phoenix at the Churchill on 1st Street. We're going to be joined with our friends from Traveler It's Thursdays. Uh it's dog friendly. It is 21 plus at least every time I've ever been there. So uh, it'll be a, uh, a good rip-roaring time. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. We're going to have some cool people turning up to uh, to talk to talk stuff. I mean, I'm sure we'll have a plenty of discussions about uh, Mike Bone, USC's new athletic director. I'm sure we'll have plenty of discussions about he who must not be named, uh, that certain football coach who... Reggie Bush? Oh, right. There's a lot of he who must not be named. <laughs> Um, let's say that his name rhymes with Kerbin Pyre. Kerbin Pyre. That's where you went with that? That's where I went with that. Yeah. Three out of 10. That's harsh. That's harsh. (laughs) What what, can you do better? Uh, yeah, I think I can do better. How do you feel about Mervyn Byer? I miss Mervyn so much. Mervyn's (laughs) was a better store than Kohl's, by the way. (laughs) Uh, good old Mervin's. I don't have a Mervin's opinion, not going to lie. I don't know, because everything I, I rhyme with urban in my head is probably, you know, potentially could be problematic. I don't want to go there. Turban Sire? Hmm. Kerbin Dwyer? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. How about Herbin Hire? Hey, there it is. There it is. There it is. Gotcha. That, that's got to be better than three out of ten. No. That's, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give it to you. All right. Uh, let's get into the news. We got some news up next and then talk about USC and Arizona State. We'll be right back. All right, Alicia, let's get into this news. USC has a new athletic director. By the time you're listening to this, most likely. Uh, the Trojans announced that there will be a press conference at 10 a.m. Pacific on Thursday morning. Uh, President Carol Folt will be announcing a new athletic director. They did not say who that athletic director is, but all signs point to a certain Mike Bone, the former athletic director at Colorado, San Diego State, Idaho, and currently Cincinnati. Well, soon to be formally of Cincinnati. 
Yes. I mean, by the time the people listen to this, formerly of Cincinnati. And yeah, it's it's about time. Um, we, we've had discussions about Mike Bone. Um, he has a, you know, up and down track record stuff at Colorado. Not the greatest, but Cincinnati, he's been all go. Uh, they seem to really like him at Cincinnati. So as we've said before, the the biggest thing is just that he checks a lot of the boxes. He is a, a sitting AD with tons and tons of experience in that role. He doesn't know the fight song. He's not connected to the school at all. Uh, USC had to go outside the box to, to, to look for him. So in that sense, you know, USC is upgraded on Lin Swan. USC is upgraded on their previous hiring tactics to bring in an AD and you know, full speed ahead now. I would have liked to have had this done before November, but now that we're here, start of November, he's in. That means we can start looking forward to the future of, of USC athletics, specifically USC football. And I think Mike Bone has some pretty big decisions to make in the coming weeks. He does. Uh, and those decisions might fall off the bone uh, for him. We'll have to see <laughs> uh, if they do. Uh the, the, the worst part, one. the worst part about USC hiring Mike Bone, is how pun heavy the coverage of of him is because of the name. Right, there's gonna be a lot of bone dry humor. Yeah. Um. So the the point about this is he's got a lot of decisions to make, especially around Clay Helton. And let's just get right into it. I mean, I mean, you and I have talked about this off air that it, it's got to be a quick decision for Mike Bone, right? Like. There's so many, so many rumors out there. So, so much chatter. It's not good. Uh, the 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 fan base is in an absolute fervor. I don't know that it's positive. I, I don't think that a lot of it's not a good look, in my opinion. Uh, there is just so much. Everything is just a zoo all of a sudden. This needs to end in in some sort of way. Uh, it's been a wild ride the last week or so especially since the the Oregon game ended. So many Urban Meyer rumors, so many this, so many that. And yet, USC still has Clay Helton as its head coach. And so, Clay Helton is not fired yet. Uh, there, I mean, who knows? Maybe Mike Bowen comes in here and doesn't fire him. I don't know. But there just needs to be some resolution to this kind of chaos. Because this, this, this chaos is not, it, it's not, it's not healthy. It's not good. No, it's and it's not fair to anybody. You know, before USC had an AD in place, we could sit back and go, well, who's going to actually make that decision? I understand why uh, USC hasn't made that decision because they don't have somebody in place to do it. Now that you have an AD in place, you can't delay. The early signing period is coming up fast in December. Uh, we so, we just saw this week Florida State make a move on on their head coach uh, because on, on Willie Taggart because they knew that they had to get going as far as uh, giving clarity to recruits and players, the direction the program was going to be going, and more specifically, the direction that the program was not going to be going, which is with Willie Taggart. So I think that USC is in a position where they have to make a quick move here. And the way I see it is, if you're Mike Bone, the first the first time that Clay Helton gives you an opportunity to fire him, you have to take it. And by that, I mean, if Clay Helton loses to ASU, you take that opportunity, you get rid of him, and you put it in an interim for the last couple of games of the season, and you go from there. 
Um, if he beats ASU and then goes on to Cal and loses to Cal, then do it then. Don't wait. And you and I had this this conversation off air. Everything has to do with that that UCLA game. Oh, if yeah. Clay Helton loses one of these next two games, God forbid, two of these next two games, and goes into the UCLA game needing a win in order to get bowl eligibility, it will be I, a I disaster. Think about last year, the Notre Dame game where fans flew a banner. Like it'll be it'll be it'll, triple that. It'll be uglier than that. Absolutely. So don't yeah. let it get to that stage. Just just make your choice and get moving. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, you don't want to go into that game with him as a lame duck punching bag. Uh, I don't think it serves anybody well, even Clay Elton. So, you know, if SC rebounds after the Oregon game and wins these next two games, it's a whole completely different story. But if they stumble, I think you, you got to just cut the cord at that point. Um, because the, this this weird in-between where everyone's acting like as if Clay Helton's already fired, but he's not yet. Uh, I, 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 I don't like when people talk about the word distraction in sports, but you're going to tell me this is not a distraction at this point? We're having open conversations about Urban Meyer and about James Franklin and other candidates to become USC's ne- next head football coach. Open conversations nationally about this this coaching search that hasn't yet begun. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a huge distraction. And even, you know, the moment the moment that Clay Hilton was asked after the Oregon game, why are you the man to lead this program? And openly asking him basically like, why shouldn't you be fired? Like that is the moment that it was over. It's o- it, it's been over, but it was definitely over then. To, to be fair, it was, it was over the second that, that Michael Wright took that uh, kickoff return. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean. That's when it ended. Yes. Let's, let's be real. That's what, certainly what it felt like. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's. There needs to be some sort of resolution. I don't. I don't think this this situation, this middle ground, is good for anybody. Uh, we'll see what happens with Mike Bone. We'll see what happens for USC in these next couple of games. Uh, the, these final three games can go any direction. I would not be surprised if SC won all three. Wouldn't be surprised if they lost all three. I wouldn't be surprised if they won two. If they won one. Whatever it is, nothing would surprise me at this point. Uh, because I don't know what to expect from this team. I mean, they they, they quit against Oregon. It seemed. Uh, that was the first time we had ever seen that because we talked about how resilient they were all season, which they were. I mean, to their credit, that, I think that was their best trait of anything. The resilience they had against Washington to keep fighting, against Notre Dame to keep fighting, against Colorado to come back. Like, all these things against Utah. They lose their, their quarterback on the second play of the game. and they, they, they rally behind Matt Fink, right? All these things that were positives about this team beyond just how they played, you know, the intangibles... SC had those things going for them. They did not have those things going for them against Oregon because the balloon popped. So is it continued to pop going into ASU? I don't know. Uh, I feel, you know, we're going to talk about the ASU game in, in a couple of minutes, but I feel going into this ASU game as I felt going into the ASU game two years ago, where SC was coming off the blowout loss to Notre Dame, and you feel like there's no air in the balloon and you don't know what the hell to expect from this team. That's the same place I'm in now. I don't know what the hell to expect from this team. Uh, they could perform well. They could perform terribly. I don't know. But if it does go south, I think you need a quick decision uh, from Mike Bone either way. Yeah, well, your comparison to that ASU game from, from 2017 is <laughs> is apt because 
What happened in that game? USC well, blows out ASU. <laughs> they they blew them so, out. They, they rebounded in the end of the year strong. So yeah, I, th- so, they could they could certainly do that. I, I I'm not saying that they won't. I just well, I, we've nothing, seen both outcomes. We've seen yeah. what happens when they rebound, and we've seen what happens when they don't. And it's anyone's guess which way this will go. But you know, I I think I guess the problem I have is that even if they rebound and show heart and character and grit and all that to not quit and and pull out this like i think this we're not going to stop having the urban meyer discussion you know we're not going to stop having the james franklin discussion we're not going to stop you know the 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 cat is already out of the bag and it has been for a while so yeah absolutely uh let's talk about this game in terms of injuries coming up uh usc was without michael pittman marlon tuipelotu and hunter eccles on wednesday but Drake Jackson and Talanoa Hufanga are back practicing. Yeah, so Michael Pittman and Marlon Tupelotu are the big concerns at this point. Chad Kalhaha on on Wednesday after practice seemed to indicate that Marlon was just given a day off to try and get him, you know, rested and healthy. And I guess he's been carrying some some things. So it sounds to me like he will be available for USC on Saturday, but. Michael Pittman um, had his his ankle wrapped. And interestingly enough, as I was coming out to uh, practice on Tuesday, I was coming from a different area. I was coming back from the parking lot uh, before they let us back in to do interviews. And I saw Michael Pittman on a cart with somebody as they were driving away from the practice field. He didn't look hurt. He didn't look like there was anything sort of going on with him. But I remember looking going like, huh, that's weird. And I thought maybe he's just getting a ride or whatever. Now looking back on it, of course he hurt his, his foot or something like that, uh, ankle or whatever it was, and was getting the ride because he uh, couldn't walk on it or wasn't going to walk on it. I don't know. Either way, uh, that's definitely not a good sign for USC. Uh, he maybe maybe he's available on Saturday, but fact is, if he's not available on Saturday, then USC's offense is severely severely injured uh he would be the biggest injury loss that usc has had since losing jt daniels i wouldn't go that far well who's been a bigger injury loss on offense uh well he would be a bigger loss than any of the running backs see the the problem is it's the collective of the running backs that's the problem uh, so in that case, sure, I'll, I'll hear you out. But I think Talano Hufanga's injury is the biggest of anyone well, on the so, team. So I'm, I'm singling it out on, on offense. So, But I still, I think the collective of the running backs is more of a big deal because of what you have behind them, which is not much, right? You have Keenan Kristen, you have Quincy Jonte, and Dominic yeah, but what Davis, do you right? Have behind, what do you have behind Michael Pittman right now? You still have other options. You have Tyler Vaughns, you have Amon Ross St. Brown, you have Drake London, you have Bayless Jones. Like yeah, you but still you're repl- have guys. You're, you're, re- you're replacing Michael Pittman, who has been your best wide receiver far and away all yeah. season. Yeah. With Bayless Jones. Yeah, or that's Kyle a drop Ford. off. But you still have Tyler Vaughn's and Hellman Russell. Yeah, but Brown. we've already established, especially when they're not willing to run the ball or unable to run the ball, the teams know how to how to shut down aspects of USC's passing game. And the strength of USC's passing game has been that they have multiple options that they can go to. Well, you take one of those options off the board. And if teams only need to focus on, well, we just need to stop Amon Ra, Amon Ra, and we need to stop Tyler Vons, then 
you make the defense's job I, that much easier. I, I they're think not going to pay that receiving much attention core to has Four viable options right now. It, it was three, but Drake Drake London has become the fourth guy. And uh, so, if you go back to three, I still think that counts. I don't think Drake London is even close to the uh, tier. No, that obviously Pittman, not. Vaughn, but I one hundred percent agree. I'm talking about in terms of Keaton Slovis's ability to throw that guy the football. Yeah. Caught seven passes two weeks ago. He, you see how many Against times? Against Colorado. Keaton, yeah, but he still got at, he still got run. That's what I'm saying. Like my I, my point is is that if you need, you're going to be in a close battle. We all agree this is going to be a close battle with ASU, unless something stupid happens and one of them blows each other out. That, but okay. But this is okay. The Vegas line on this is like a point. The Bill Connolly line on this is like two points. Like everyone sure. agrees, this is a narrow separation between these two teams and we know that usc's offense is one-dimensional and we know that usc needs playmakers out there to basically just win the game for them and michael Pittman is is the number one playmaker on that offense absolutely so you're saying I, that like it's I, not a big deal it, it is a bit like no it's I'm a saying huge it's a deal big... that he won't if he won't be available that's all i'm I, saying it's a huge yeah, deal yeah i i'm i'm it, it's a big deal you absolutely want him 100%. I don't think there's anything stopping USC from winning this game without him. And it has nothing to do with Michael Pittman. I could Pittman. not agree more. I could not disagree more. Okay, that's fine. I think my, not having Michael on the Michael Pittman on the field could very well be the difference between victory and defeat for USC. We will see. We will see indeed if, if he's able to play for USC and whether well, we, he's we, not and, and how that'll affect things. We won't see, though. Because if he plays, he plays and USC wins or loses based on that. And if he doesn't play, then... He doesn't play, and USC wins or loses, loses based on whatever. We won't actually get the answer to that. Dang. I want to be right. Let me be right. I can tell. <laughs> what do you mean you can tell? Arguing semantics. I'm not arguing semantics. You were arguing semantics. I would never do such a thing. Uh-uh. Uh, let's, let's take a quick break. Come back and get into the preview of this game. All right, Alicia, let's get into USC and ASU. The Sun Devils are 5-3, and three, ranked 44th in SP+. This is an interesting team. Uh, we, we've talked about them a lot. I think that I've mentioned that I I thought Herm Edwards would, would be an absolute failure um, at, at ASU. And I think most people did. Uh, he, if nothing else gave ASU a sense of game management. He's a good game manager. I don't think he's the greatest coach in the world. Do you think I still, he's a good... I still, just to, to, to stub you on the game management thing, do you yep. think he's a good game manager because he was in the broadcast booth for so long? Because he was able to see um, the game from outside and all the ways that people screw up the game management? Like he was a studio guy, right? Well, a studio guy's sitting there watching games. That's all they do. They sit there and watch mm. games and see the way that other coaches screw up all the dang all the dang time. Maybe, but that's like, my it's, guess. Like it's just I, a I guess. don't watch the Raiders, but is Gruden better because of that? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know, watch but, the Raiders either. Clearly, this is what I subject he myself at. to USC. I don't need to subject myself to the nobody Raiders. Nobody uses well. timeouts better. Nobody manages the clock in close close games and all that kind of stuff better than Herm Edwards. Do I think ASU is all that great? No. Do I think that he he comes up with great game plans? No. Uh, like, do I think that he's going to lead them to a title, a Pac-12 title or a national title? No. 
But like he has ASU competent in close games, which is he is absolutely saying something that's very positive for them. Is he they better play a than lot of close games? Is he better than Tom Todd Graham? No. See, and that's the funny thing is I think he's been better than anyone expected, but he's getting yeah. grade, graded on a curve because no one expected anything from him. So the fact that he's it's a good been, point. I mean, before we started recording this sh- this episode, I described this game the, this, as this what. Before we started recording this episode. Oh, but you, you started saying something else. Oh, well, before we started recording this episode, I described this game as a medium USC playing a medium ASU at a medium venue with medium stakes. And that's like, I feel medium like... Medium stakes? ASU- like how many ounces? <laughs> uh, I mean, we can all agree. Medium, medium rare, go, by the though. way, is what, is what I prefer. Rare. There you go. Uh, either way... ASU is a medium team. They're a medium team. Like USC is a medium team, except that they're just sort of like more under the radar medium. Yeah, I mean, ASU, if nothing else, they play a lot of NFL games, right? They play a lot of those 27-24 games, right? Uh, I feel like that is the most NFL score possible. Pretty much. 20, 20 to 17. All those kind of things. That's what I've thought about ASU for a long time. So, they were five and one, and they that they played so many close games through the first year and a half of Herm Edwards, but the last two weeks, uh, this feels like Colorado. The same conversation we had with Colorado. Their first five games were uh, were pretty competent, right? Pre- pretty uh, mediocre, but but you know worthy. Uh, they were Colorado was a worthy foe. The first five games they were of the season, interesting. Yeah, and then they were terrible for two games going into the SC game to the point where it plunged what people thought of them. ASU is in that same exact freaking boat. They were 5-1. and one, They were in the top 25. They were, you know, controlling their own destiny in the Pac-12 South. All those kind of things. And then the last two weeks, uh, they get obliterated by Utah, which that that's it's not a black mark on them. Yeah. Utah's really good. Um, but... They always play close games, but Utah beat them handily. Then they go on the road to UCLA, and I get that they're two road games back-to-back. And at the same time, the the Rose Bowl is the least intimidating venue, maybe out of wherever the hell UMass plays now. Especially with the crowds (laughs) they're pulling these days. Can you call them crowds? Um, This is true. I and they were down 42 to 10 going into the fourth quarter against UCLA. And I get that UCLA is a weird enigma that we don't really know what they are. Are they really good? Are they really bad? They've been, they've looked really dominant the last three weeks, but they've also played a couple of tomato cans the last three weeks. So what do you really know? But ASU shouldn't have been one of those tomato cans. They were, how did they become a tomato can? Uh, so in a lot of ways, it feels like the Colorado game where it's like SC's catching a team at the right time. But look at SC. If you're ASU, aren't you catching SC at the perfect time? Right after the, the Oregon game, amid all these coaching rumors, when you know SC just flat out gave up in the second half against the Ducks. like It looks like the perfect matchup for ASU. Just what the doctor ordered. You get home for the first time in like almost a month. This is a perfect opportunity for the Sun Devils to write some things. Um, but at the same point, both teams, like you said, 
don't know what to expect. And so what do you expect in this game? I don't expect anything. I don't know. If, if ASU wins this game in a blowout, wouldn't be surprised. If USC wins this game in a blowout, would not be surprised. If it goes down to the final seconds or even to overtime, would not be surprised. I'm sitting here right now, you know, 20 minutes before we make our score predictions, and I don't know where the hell I'm going because I don't know what to expect from this game to the point where I don't even know what more to say about this game other than throw everything up, throw all the paperwork, throw it up into the air, and just see where it falls. Well, that's the thing is, is there a scoreline, a reasonable football scoreline from SEC defensive battle to Big 12 bad shootout, is there anything that sounds unbelievable when it comes to this game? No. No, because ASU doesn't have a great offense, but Jaden Daniels has had a pretty solid freshman year, and he has the skill set that terrifies USC. He's a runner. Maybe the the Big Ten punt happy game. I don't think we see that. I don't think we see like like an Iowa... Purdue type deal? I, I I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out because again, ASU doesn't have a great great offense and USC's defense is is getting a lot of guys back. Uh they're getting Drake Jackson back, they're getting Talanoa Havanga back, Isaiah Pulamau will be available, um Palianateote will be one week more healthy. The uh DBs are all more or less good, with the exception of of Greg Johnson and, and Max Williams, but USC's getting a little bit healthier on defense. And ASU doesn't have a great offense. Like, they're not an offense that's scoring a lot of points. But you feel like they could put up a lot of points because USC's defense could become a dumpster fire. But at the same time, USC's defense could have an an Arizona-type game right. and totally shut down Jaden Daniels. And on yeah, the flip side, true. ASU's defense is – you talk about UCLA being an enigma. Like, I spent a solid hour and a half this afternoon – trying to make sense of ASU's defense because they're quite good when it comes to scoring defense, but nothing explains the why. They don't get a lot of sacks. They don't get a lot of tackles for loss. Their pass defense isn't that good. Their run defense is very good, but that's like literally the only thing. And even their run defense, their run defense is ranked 22nd nationally in run defense, but all of their defensive line categories are like sub are, are 50 or above 50 60 70 in the in the football outsiders defensive line stats so like I can't make sense of Arizona State's defense so is this defense going to be one that shuts down USC's offense I mean sure USC's offense can shut itself down that's for sure plenty of, of teams have given you the blueprint on how to do that so that's for sure Keaton Slovis could throw a bunch of interceptions we've seen it at the same time like USC's offense could explode this could be the week when they turn it on and Keaton hits all his strides and this is the 50-point game. Like, I, Because this defense is not a good pass defense. Not really. Not numerically. 90th pass defense, yeah. They don't get a lot of interceptions. So I, they're not that good at stopping third downs. They're, they're mediocre. Medium. To, to be fair, can we talk about their, their turnover numbers? So they're 39th in turnovers gained, but they're 115th in intercepted passes. Yeah, they're three on the season, but they're third in fumbles recovered. Like, how weird is that? Yeah, and and five of those eleven fumbles that they've recovered have been quarterback fumbles, but two of those were Dorian Thompson Robinson, and he's a fumble machine. And you know, 
you know, a couple more were sort of a strip sack kind of situation. They've they forced fumbles on running backs and they forced fumbles on receivers and they forced fumbles on special teams and they just they they have fumble luck, I guess. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This de- <laughs> They stop you from scoring. That's all I know. They 21.1 yeah. points per game. That's well, real good. Darian Butler, their their linebacker. Great linebacker. Uh, out of uh, uh, oh, I can't mention where he's from. It's we're, we're, not bad... to, we're not supposed. We're not supposed to mention. Uh, yeah, no, we're just going to skip a, it. A certain high school football team. Mm-hmm. Let's flip flip back to offense and talk about their players. Eno Benjamin uh, having an interesting year. Um, he was so good last year. Pac-12 leading rusher. He set ASU school r- records for rushing yards. Been a little hit and miss. Uh, you know, ASU's offensive line lost a lot. They have not been good this year. That's part of it. He's not having running lanes to run through. Uh, but yards per carry down to 4.44. Jaden Daniels, true freshman at quarterback. I was really hoping this was going to be a JT Daniels versus Jaden Daniels matchup. Kind of lost Missed that. opportunity. I know. I know. Uh, but Jaden Daniels completing over 60% of his passes. 11 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Passer rating of 146.7. Pretty good there. Uh, and we know that he's a little nimble. He can he can scramble. He can run, which is the same thing Ian Book could do, same thing Stevie Montez could do, same thing uh, Justin Herbert could do, same thing that uh, Reina, uh, uh, Reina Reina could do. Um, we've seen this before. Uh, the same thing Zach Wilson could do. Uh, so that's something that th- they need to be kind of worrisome about. And then at receiver, you got Brandon Ayuk, 38 catches, 740 yards, 5 TDs. They surely miss Nikhil Harry, but uh, he's been a stud for the Sun Devils, uh, given given the reps that he's had. So, I don't know. There, there, there's playmakers on this team. Uh, the, there's there's still, I, I still feel like they're, they're a step away from being a really good team, uh, a step away from still going forward. Uh, and then you look at the last two weeks have just been huge step backwards because again everything's been close until the last two weeks when they got blown out. Yeah, and again th- this offense doesn't <laughs> this offense doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know Benjamin, one of the best running backs in the Pac-12. Jaden Daniels, true freshman, but he's not necessarily making the true freshman mistakes. He only has two interceptions on the year. Yeah, they're not asking him to do a lot. He he only is throwing for 237 yards per game through the air. Uh, he's he's a runner for sure. Chad Kauhaha explained on on Wednesday that he's a runner the way that Khalil Tate was a runner as a freshman or as a freshman redshirt freshman or a sophomore, whatever his first couple of years when he was just taken off and running at every opportunity. So he's probably going to have to be careful with that trend. But he is dangerous with his legs and he's more than willing to use his legs to uh, to take off. He's had, you know, double digit rushing attempts in in. I think the majority of games so far this year. So he's a danger man and he's not making huge mistakes. And yet ASU's offense isn't scoring a lot of points. They're not really stand out in any, I mean, they're 106th in rushing offense and they have, you know, Benjamin. So, I mean, you sort of have to assume that offensive line isn't exactly doing work. You have to assume that their offensive coordinator maybe isn't, Doing work. I mean, they're 95th in sacks allowed. That's not good. So, I, again, for a team that doesn't turn the ball over, they only have seven turnovers all year. That's ninth in the country. 
They don't turn the ball over. They score when they're in the red zone, 19th in red zone offense. Those two things should result in better than a 23.4 point per game offense. And yet, and yet, that's where they're at. Right. <laughs> Explain it to me, Michael. I don't understand. I, I don't get it either. I, I, I don't know. Because the, I understand why you, USC's offense is, it feels underperforming. They right. turn the ball over and they're not good in the red zone. Very, very simple. So what is going on with ASU? I, I have no idea. I, no, no clue. Have we ever gone into a game knowing less? I feel like we've gone into a lot of games recently not knowing, but I feel like we went into those games because when it came to USC, USC could turn up and be one team or another team. We generally sure. have a good sense of who the other, who the opposition is, with the exception of last year against UCLA. This is probably as close to last year's UCLA game as we're going to get in terms of the giant shrug of I don't under. Granted, we haven't watched a lot of ASU this game this year. I've only watched you know bits and pieces here and there. So maybe someone who's actually watched ASU this year could tell me could make sense of the number because usually we look at the numbers and we understand the team. The numbers they don't make any sense. Not on offense. Not on defense. None of it makes sense. <laughs> I I don't I don't I don't know. I mm mm mm. Weather will be nice and warm, though. So Nice and warm. You say you're not going to be the one that's running around all over the sideline. It's only going to be like 85. Yeah, 85 is plenty hot. Plenty hot. Oof. It's a dry heat. The good thing is it's daytime. 85 is like cool here. Which The good thing is it's daytime, which means that the lighting will be good, uh, so I won't have camera issues, but, but I it might will. But it might be a little, uh, Too bright. you know, might be a little harsh on the shadows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this will be the first time in many weeks that I will have to apply sunscreen before a game. What's your sunscreen strategy? Does one have a sunscreen strategy? Yeah. Like, uh, are you, are you, uh, do you use one of those ones where it's like blue? And yes. that's how you know that. Do you really? I, the, the sunscreen I have is, is, uh, I think it's banana. What is it? B- banana boat or whatever. Their sport, the one in the blue bottle, SPF 50. But like you put it on and it's blue until you rub it in? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the blue bottle. So, so I, 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 my mom used to get that for me when I was a kid. Oh. I would go to the swimming pool. And like I always thought it was like, a, that's a make sure that you do this right for kids kind of thing. Oh, no, it, it's just the, the white stuff. I apply generously to my nose and then I sort of spread out from there. Hmm. All right. It is the this is the devils. analysis that people yeah. tune in for. I know it is. I know, I know it is. Yeah. Uh, take a quick break, though. We'll come back and do over under, and then wrap this thing up. Uh, uh, I, I feel like a pilot. You know, when you're on a on a plane, or we've we, we've uh, we found a route that's gonna get us into Phoenix a little bit early, uh, and then everyone like rejoices. Yeah. The one thing we haven't mentioned before we finish: do not forget, third team All American Jack Jones is on you is on ASU's defense. He is a backup cornerback. He is fourth nationally with 12 pass breakups this season. Wow. That third team All-American doing work. Wouldn't it be hilarious if he had another third team All-American nod? (laughs) Like like there was just enough media people who are just like looking. I'm just going to sort by PBUs and just (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. That's how yeah. I'm going to do it. A backup backup cornerback for ASU getting that third team All American <laughs> nod. That sounds about right. PBU bump. Uh, yep. We'll be right back. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia. Let's get into the over-under. I have a three-game lead. I'm 35 and 27. You are 32 and 30. You got to start winning some of these. Got You got to start. Got to start getting risky. Do I? Mm, maybe. What I need to do is start playing defense and just cancel out all of yours. That's what I got to do. That's a good idea. Uh, what's what's your first one? 15.5 Keenan Kristen carries. It's very simple, Michael. Over. 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 I'm taking the under. Taking the over. So my reason to take the under would have been that one of the ones that I have later on, ASU doesn't play a lot of games in which a lot of plays are run. And that could backfire here. Uh, but I I have to imagine he gets 16, 17 carries, uh, if nothing else. And just because I think SC might overcorrect from last week. I don't think so. The word from the coaches all week have been, you know, Keenan, Keenan we're not going to give him more than uh, than what we've been giving him the last few weeks. So the last few weeks, his uh, carry totals have been... Uh, 15, 14, and 8. I don't think it's going to be more than 15. I think he can get to 16. He can, get, he can do it. I hope. Should I have taken the under there? I mean, not for the over-under sake. You can't change it now. <laughs> I mean, I could. Would, would, you, would you think less of me? Yes. Uh, hmm. All right. Uh, I'll go over-under, 99.5. Rushing yards for Eno Benjamin. He's averaging 84.9 per game, which is, it seems low for him given how good he was last season. He's only had four games of 100 yards. He had 137 against Washington State a few weeks ago, 104 on the road in Rice Eccles uh, three weeks ago. That was really, really good. I think that was, if you are an ASU fan rooting for Eno Benjamin, 104 at Rice Eccles, like, you take that. Uh, he had a yards per carry of like over six against Utah. Hell yeah, you take that. But only 48 against UCLA, only 83 against Colorado. What the hell do you see? Does he get to 100 yards? I do not trust USC's rushing defense, so I'm going with the over. That's where I am. Uh, SC shut Oregon's running game down for long stretches last week, uh, but they found other ways to, to pick up yards. Uh, I think ASU could do the same thing, but Eno Benjamin's their bread and butter. I still think he gets them over 100. I agree. It might only be 106, but it'll it'll be it'll be yeah. over 100. Uh, what's your next one? All right, point five fumbles lost by USC. As we mentioned in the preview portion, ASU is third nationally in recovered fumbles this year with 11. So. Will USC fumble, and will ASU recover it? All right. SC has played nine games this season. They're five and four. They've had four games in which they have not lost a fumble. Four games. Those four games were at BYU, at Washington, 
at Notre Dame and at Colorado. They have not, not lost one on the trying. road. So I'm going to say that continues under. They only lose fumbles at home. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, if there's correlation and causation and all that kind of thing. I'm going over on this one, not just to be aggressive and chase your lead, but because <sighs> ASU is here. very good at forcing fumbles and Keaton, Keaton, Keaton Slovis has been fumbling recently. Also, Keaton Kristen will be USC's primary rusher. And while he's taking care of the ball, he is still a true freshman. You know, we'll see if he can continue to hold on to it. You were struggling with Keaton there, which leads me to a question. Keaton and Keenan are messing me up, dude. Oh, for for sure. I get it. Yeah. I I, right there with you. But worse than Drake London and Drake Jackson. Right now, yes. And and even worse than Jaden Watson and wait, Jalen Watson and Jaden Williams. Yes. Which Watson Thank God we avoided this. (laughs) Watson didn't end up showing up, so it didn't matter, but yeah. Well, there was also Nico Fala and Fala Nico, too. Anyways, the point is, Keaton, my question about Keaton is, what is a bigger pet peeve for you? People spelling Kiffin with an E? Or people saying Kedon Slovis? Because I'll tell you, Kedon Slovis is rising up my freaking pet peeve ch- chart. It is I, way high. I am with you. Kedon is bad. Bad, 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 bad. It's, that's that's not his name, folks. At least with Kiffin, I can understand how you get to the not sure if it's an E or an I. It's confusing. Everson Griffin and, you know, Kiffin and all of these things. I get it. I get it. Keaton is harder to say than Keaton, and mm-hmm. it's not his name. So let's just not go with Keaton. No, no. And, like, I could get it if you were only reading about him. And never saw him play and never heard yeah. an announcer say his name. It ain't Keaton. That ain't it. And it isn't Kiki either. Trevor hates <laughs> Thursdays, people. Uh, let's go to my next one. Over under 64 and a half offensive plays for the Sun Devils. That's two more plays than ASU is averaging. They're averaging 62.75. Uh, but they've only gone more than 70 twice. They've been below 63 times. So I'm going to put the line at 64 and a half. Do they get to 65? Hmm. This is this. Um. Hmm. I feel like this is very much the flip of a coin. I don't know if I can make like an actual educated guess on this, so I'm just gonna go under. Cause why not? I am so torn. <sighs> Screw it. Give me the over. Setting this me is gonna up. be bad. You're gonna you're gonna setting you're me gonna up for r- a big comeback this week. Or you're either gonna run away with bury it. you. Yeah. Yeah. If you remember right. Two weeks, I mean, two years ago, SC was playing ASU, and you had a sizable lead on me. So I went bold on everything. Remember this? Mm-hmm. And like one of them was like, uh, I want to say it was over under two hundred yards for Rojo. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And something like that. And I went super bold, and it backfired, and it set me back way far to the yep. point where I just couldn't couldn't catch up. This could be that week for you. Or it could be could the week be. that you, you, you come back. And it's if that's the case, then I'm never going to do over-under on a game in which SC plays in Tempe ever again. Uh, <laughs> last last one for you. What do you got? 34.5 rushing yards for ASU quarterback Jaden Daniels. He's averaging 34.1 yards per game. He's been above uh, 34.1 three times. He's been below it five times. 
The tricky thing is here is that Jaden Daniels likes to run, and we know that USC gives up yards to running quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but ASU gives up a lot of sacks. So the balancing act between the yards that he gains and the yards that he loses is going to be pretty pretty difficult to to sort of gauge. Plus, you have to try to understand how does USC prepare for him? Does SC do that thing that they do for for Khalil Tate? Are they so scared of his running ability that they're able to, for some reason, just completely shut him down as a runner? Who or, knows? Or do they treat him like Ian Book and Stevie Montez and Zach Wilson and all those guys who shredded SC at times? I don't know. I don't know. 34 and a half yards? There's sacks involved? Just uh, raw rushing yards, not... The kind that would show up on the box store. I'm going to regret this. I know. I'm taking the under. Oh, that's good, because I was going to take the over. So we're in contention oh again. <laughs> I I just think that Jaden Daniels is going to rip off a couple couple big runs. And I, don't, I, I don't doubt it. Yeah. I, I don't doubt the it, but big, I think the, the big the question I have is USC could unload on a bunch of sacks. That's yeah. the only thing that, that gives me pause. But um, yeah, I, I'll take the over there. Anytime someone's in Tempe, someone's getting sacked. Uh, let's go to the next one. Over under one and a half sacks for the Trojans. Uh, ASU is 106th in sack rate. They're 122nd in standard down sack rate. Utah and Washington had three against them recently. Uh, USC had three the last two weeks combined. Do they get to two? One and a half. I'm going over on this real quick over. Uh, I think that ASU is probably the worst offensive line that USC has faced. Since the Arizona game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm taking the over two. So we're, we we differ on four of them. There you go. You could potentially pick up four. If we split them, then, then I'm, I'm still good. And I hope we'll for that see split how it goes. Least. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get to game predictions. Bill Connolly has USC winning this thing 29-27. Margin of victory of 2.1 points. USC has a win probability of 55%. Vegas says not so fast, my friend. They've got the Sun Devils by two, according to the consensus line at the Action Network. Alicia, lay it on me. Oh, I really like Bill Connolly's 29-27. I'm going to go with 28-24. 28-24. USC, because I'm a sucker. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow. I got to do my Owen Wilson. Wow, that was a good Owen Wilson. That was a good one, yeah. Do it again. Do it again. Wow. That became a little (laughs) bit more (laughs) cat-like. Keep doing it. (laughs) Keep doing it. It's good. I like it. (laughs) One more time. One more time. One more time. Wow. God, I love podcasting. <laughs> Why do we do this? <laughs> this is what we become, Michael. ASU <laughs> by twenty. Sorry, SC by twenty. <laughs> wow, that was a uh, quite the switch. <laughs> Yeah, no, I. What's, what was I, your, I what, what's your what's your what's your I missed your score? I, I don't know. I can't decide. I, I might go back to ASU by twenty. 
Uh, no, let, let's just say it comes down to the end. Uh, SC wins 35-34. Oh, I don't want to watch the game that you described there with that score. I, I, none, but don't put zero stock in that. I, I, yeah. I, like I said, it, I don't know anything that's going to go down this game. SC my could argument, win by 30. They could lose by 30. I wouldn't be shocked. My argument against like a 35-34 scoreline, which I said, like I said earlier, every scoreline seems plausible to me. Is that like you like you said earlier? ASU plays NFL games, and I feel mm-hmm. like the twenty something to twenty something is the very NFL score, whether it's a win or sure. loss for for ASU. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Maybe it's something like thirty one twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, on the high end. Yeah. Like I I'm said, I really like that twenty nine twenty seven Bill Connolly number. It is so. Yeah, but that twenty. How do you get to twenty nine? Well, that's that's my brand, Michael. The how do you get to that score line? Score. Yeah, but if you get the 29, you get me like, wow. Wow. <laughs> Please make this staple of every episode going forward. It's not that funny. That's the funny part. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc brain fog insomnia moodiness weight gain Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.